We've got all the racing news and people from around Victoria, racing's greatest state. Welcome along to Coleraine, Bendigo, Ballarat, Waterball, Bet365, Geelong. And good morning, everybody, from Swan Hill. Welcome to the South Turf Club. Already. Ah! Off they go. For Country Racing Victoria, this is the Country Racing Show. Where we belong, country racing strong, it's got it all. Yeah, it's time for the Country Racing Show on this Thursday morning. Nikita Ross, uh, officially, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. After I've been put under the pump early, <laughs> yes. trying to think of uh, over 40 athletes. Well, we just we asked one. I'm trying to get Wikipedia Karen Manning to see. And no offence, Karen, if you're not 40. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, this, this <laughs> or dangerous oh, territory. This could be very dangerous. Kelly Slater was a dollar I won to get sent through, and Mick from uh, Bond Beach won the award for getting that in as fast as he could. Karen Manning's over 40, I just wikied her. Okay. <laughs> Lucky you, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, superstar as well, obviously. So, yeah, that's a good topic for a little bit later on. Um, we can even put it into a bit of a country spin. Country trainers, jockeys, people that have performed well on the other side of 40. It's a good topic of discussion. Yeah, it's like um, trainers are sort of sports people, but are they athletes? Some some who ride their own work, maybe. Yeah, trainers are probably, yeah. It's like, is the world darts champion actually an athlete <laughs> <laughs> or just a beer swiller? <laughs> that might be another yay or nay topic. Uh, Nikita, big week in country racing this week coming up. We've got the Detarang races to look forward to, and I really enjoyed reading your article uh, on the Country Racing website about this meeting this weekend. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, it's, um, it's one that sounds like an absolute beauty, um, the Detarang Cup. Um, and I, I spoke to um, the club yesterday, and they're really looking forward to it. Um, they put a lot back into their community. Last year, they, they gave back $35,000 to different community groups. They used the local footy net, netball club to, to run the bar and do all sorts of things on the day. On the day. So, um, yeah, they utilise all their local groups, really keep it in the community. Only, I think, a touch over 400 people live in Detarang. So the local towns, their accommodations booked out, mm. um, ticket sales have, have been enormous. And a couple of things they pointed out as well, they've got a $1,000 trainer's bonus and a $1,500 triple crown jackpot for any trainer that can train three or more winners on the day. Um, and if that doesn't go off, if no one trains three winners, um, it jackpots another $500 next year. So as well as that, they've got float rebates and jockey incentives with a minimum um, of a three-ride payment if a jockey has less than three rides. So yeah. really good mm. initiatives there um, from, the, from the club. They've got a, uh, a mile. This could be your go, Matt. A mile okay. foot race. Um, how do you go over a mile? Because they've got a lap around the track, a, a foot raise dash for cash. So A mile, I'm probably okay. It's going to be 39 degrees, Matt. How are you going to handle that? No, heat's fine. Heat's fine. Uh, I'd, pr- I'd prefer it to run in the heat, Matt. But a mile's fine. 2K probably sees me out. So okay. I might be, it might be my sweet spot. If, if you can run a strong mile, you can head up to Detarang and, uh, and get yourself some cash there. Isn't that one of the great things about the, every individual picnic club some do different things, as you mentioned, the um, float rebate. Some give fuel rebates yep. to jockeys because the picnic prize money levels are obviously capped at a certain level. So it's amazing what some of the clubs do to help out the the relatively lowly compensated uh, participants. And we yep. can have a chat to Tony Carter-Smith about that. He's got runners at Detarang. And I just want to point Absolutely. out for anyone going to Detarang that want to see something freaky, 
Splash of Paint is running at Detarang. Oh, I saw this. Fantastic. I showed you a photo. Oh. I've never seen a racehorse that looks quite like it. He looks like something that Sitting Bull should have ridden uh, through the uh, the badlands of uh, uh, the US. It looks like an Indian chief's horse, uh, a classic Appaloosa sort of looking horse. So sort of looks look like a cartoon cow. You of. reckon he looked like a milk cow? <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, but but he, he's the colour of a milk cow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's going to be running up at Detarang. So if you want to see a freak, go and see Splash of Paint. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk more about Detarang a little bit later in the country racing show, but Patrick Keane's on the line. He's not going quite as far as Dedarang this weekend, but he's got some runners at Pakenham, Kilmore and Yarra Valley over the next few days, and he joins us. Hello, Pat. Hey, how you going? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for jumping on. How big's your team of staff at the moment? Uh, we probably are, I think we've got around six, seven people, including track riders. Yep, so how many of the meetings will you head to over the next few days? I'll be at all of them. Yep, you'll be yep. at all of them. On the road, you, you wouldn't mind with a, a fuel voucher, would you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no one's knocking them back <laughs> hey, these days. Just on you, you and your staff with the the, the size of your stable. Uh, we had the Asian Racing Conference this week talking about all the issues, and it wasn't one that was probably emphasised enough. Uh, with your size of stable and staff, do you do you have ongoing staffing issues? Are you part of this syndrome at the moment? I'm very lucky uh, in that way of it. My family is heavily involved in racing, so my wife Jess, she. Uh, she works for me full time. Uh, her mother uh, works for me full time. My dad, um, he's also a trainer, but helps me out. Um, and I've always been close in racing, being a jockey. So I've kept a lot of friends, and they help ride out track work as well. Now, Pat, uh, obviously, as you just mentioned, former jockey, and it probably seems like a long time ago now, but you had a, a bad fall back in 2016 and then turned your hand to training um, a few years ago now. But how did you find that transition? Was training all, always something that you wanted to do? No, it probably wasn't. Um, at, well, at, I always wanted to be involved with horses, but jock, being a jockey um, and riding was everything I wanted to do. Never really thought about it. Uh, training at all um, until I fell. Um, I tried to come back, but I couldn't pass the the MRI test uh, for the medicals, and so I had to look elsewhere and see where else I could be involved in the industry. And um, I, I was lucky to meet a couple of supportive owners, and they said they'd give me a go, and so we've just gone from there. Well, that was <clears throat> fortunate there, wasn't it? Because I was I was down in Tassie over the last couple of days for the Launceston Cup and I spent a bit of time with Jim Cassidy and we're talking about life beyond the saddle for him and he's he's hooked onto one of the corporates and he's he's got a good life and he I said, uh, any, would you ever have gone training? And you should have seen the expression on his <laughs> face about just how difficult it can be. Has it been that for you? It sounds like you did luck in with a, a couple of good owners that got you rolling a bit. Oh, it's certainly definitely hard, um, very hard, but I am very fortunate to have um, some nice solid owners behind me and uh, you know we were able to go to the sales each season and still getting uh, some results without being at the the top level yet but uh, certainly improving it's the old saying isn't it you don't have a business if you don't have owners in horse racing matter you it's it's so crucial isn't it pat especially when you're starting out to network and grow your business oh yeah you def- definitely got to have the owners you've got to have uh, the communication um, the owners they want to see what their horses are doing uh, we, I try and do that as best I can, but with my stable, uh, you know, sometimes we probably lack in that department a little bit. We don't have the facilities to be able to uh, send out those um, videos all the time, but uh, we certainly get as much out as we can, and I'm very uh, on the phone. Uh, 
speaking with them personally all the time, which is good, I think. Yeah, the most competitive part these days about being a trainer is who has got the best mm. uh, communication. Like yep. Lindsay Park were always, they had drones going up and drone videos and all sorts of amazing things. But you're, you're limited by your resources, Patrick, aren't you? But there's still nothing better for an owner than the one-on-one phone call, is there? I mean, all the technology is great, but still that basic communication is probably still the most important thing. I definitely think so. As, as you just said, I don't have the resources to be able to do that. Uh, but being able to talk personally on the phone, explain where their horse is at, how it's going, where, where we're, what we're looking to do, I think is just, just as good. But having a look at some of your runners that you've got over the next few days, you're uh, you're very busy. Head to Pakenham tonight, the lucky last. Uh, drawn barrier four with judiciary. Um, what, are the, what are you thinking going into that race? Uh, he he won first up really well at Penella. Um In his past two starts, he's just been average. He's wanted to get his head up um, on tighter tracks and be climbing in his action. So we'll put the, the nose roll on him uh, for tonight's race. He is stepping up into a 64. Uh, but I think the bigger track at Pakenham, and he's been trained there now uh, for the past two or three weeks. So I, I think he'll be competitive as long as he... Um, improves his racing manners. All right, it's a good push for a horse at a reasonably big price there tonight at Packenham. What about at Kilmore tomorrow? Love and Stella makes its debut. What can you tell us about this horse? Uh, his last trial was um, okay. Joe Bowditch trialled him there, and, and he was certainly happy with him. He's drawn uh, barrier 14, so Kilmore barrier 14 uh, from the 1450 start probably not ideal. So if he does go around, he'll be back and running on, hopefully. All right, and stylish icon goes around in in race eight. She's first up tomorrow. Will she need the run, or she can uh, can she spring a surprise first up? Uh, I'd say she'd need the run as well. She tried well last last time around as well, but I think she'd still need the run. All right. Uh, what about at Yarra Valley? Have you got a winner for us at Yarra Valley on on Saturday? Uh, we've got Geneva and she's kerosene. They're actually in the same race. Geneva's trialled up well against some decent horses. Uh, it's only over the twelve hundred. She normally prefers fourteen hundred. Um, but I think she'll run a decent race, and she's kerosene. She's rock-hard fit, uh, drawn a decent barrier for her, barrier eight. Um, she'll probably land outside the leader, and she'll be there for a long way. You're based out at, at Pakenham, Pat. Um, how have you found that? I would imagine it's a, a fairly good place to train from. Oh, yeah, the short time we've been there, horses are a lot more relaxed um, compared to Cranbourne, where we're, there's, there's a lot of horses. Uh, there each morning, but I found the short trip. They're only on the truck for 10 minutes getting bloated in there. Uh, they, they stand well in the tie-ups and just a much more quiet atmosphere. Well, Paddy, it's nice to see a young trainer making their way and growing their stable. So good luck over the next couple of days. Hopefully there's a couple of winners there for you. And you ever going to take one as what, the furthest? Tell everyone the furthest you ever took a horse last year. You couldn't go yourself, but what's the furthest you took a horse? Menangatang. What about Darwin? Oh, Darwin, yeah, I didn't go myself. Yeah, no, that's right, but you sent one up to Darwin. How did it go, by the way? Uh, it went shit out. <laughs> good decision to stay yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, good on you, Paddy. That was actually, actually Geneva who's racing oh, okay. uh, Sarah Valley. She's yep. first up from coming back from Darwin. All right, well, let's hope uh, she appreciates the grass a bit more than she does the dirt. Good luck.
Thank you. <laughs> Menangatang and Darwin, Matty. How do you get those two mixed up for being... I oh, know Menangatang's quite a fair way away. <laughs> Darwin's got it covered. <laughs> no, absolutely got it covered. Yeah. I don't think he was thinking as broadly <laughs> yeah. as that, but he... Uh, if, you, if you're at Darwin for the Darwin Cup and one's come up all the way from Victoria and the trainer's not there, I think it's a pretty good clue that they don't yeah, have yeah. much expectation <laughs> yes. for it. You know, that's, it's funny how you were talking about the communication with, with owners from trainers. Mick Gearin sent a tweet out yesterday. It's quite funny. When Liam Howley sends you video horse updates, they have music in the background. Last week, it was the theme from Top Gun. This week, it's Bruce Springsteen. I'm so impressed, I'm even considering paying my bills. <laughs> little things. There's the little things that count. Yep, yeah. so important. Couldn't uh, agree more. Absolutely. Uh, this is Big V Racing. You're with Matt Nevitt, Matt Stewart, and Nikita Ross on the Country Racing Show. We'll take a break. There's still plenty more coming up on the other side. Tony Carter-Smith will join us as we have a chat about the Dedarang races this weekend. Big V Racing, brought to you by Tab. For racing on Tap, download the Tab app. Gamble responsibly. Gambler's help, 1-800-858-858. This is Big V Racing, presented by Racing Victoria's Vobus program, Victoria, the state to breed by own and race thoroughbred horses. You're with Matt Nevitt, Matt Stewart, and Nikita Ross on this Thursday morning for the Country Racing Show. Tony Carter-Smith's about to join us in a moment. Before we get to Tony, 0416905052, if you want to get involved at any stage today, you can send us a text. And uh, we just hinted at some of our yay and a's off the top of the program. And uh, it was the athletes that are performing well into their 40s, and there's been a couple that have come through here on the SMS machine. Tiger Woods, beaten up and still competing when he's fit. Uh, someone else has sent through a lot of heavyweight boxers, um, have won world title fights. Matthew, you love George your... Foreman made a comeback and won at about the age of 44. Yeah, you I love watched the doco on Mike Tyson last night. He, you could have beaten him after the age of 40. <laughs> I don't know about that. but uh, <laughs> uh, you, how many, you would nearly have exhausted all of the boxing documentaries, wouldn't you, by now? I hate boxing, but I love boxing docos of the prime time era. Of, there's something about it. I, Nikita, you have to watch. You, you don't like boxing? Um, I don't not like it. I'm just right. not interested in it. Yeah. There's really. a doco. Yeah. The greatest sporting doco ever made was When We Were Kings about the rumble in the jungle between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Oh, and yeah. It, so I'd be interested in that. Yeah, yeah. It's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Is that on Netflix? I'll, you, so you know how things come up on YouTube occasionally and then they disappear, you know? So I'll, I'll try and find out how you can okay, watch you it. Send me the link we'll report back next right, week. Oh, we will. Uh, Tony Carter-Smith, a, a trainer from Kilmore. Let's find out if he likes boxing documentaries. Morning to you, Tony. Yeah, good day. How are you going, boys are, and are girls? You, are you into the same stuff that Matty Stewart is? Have, These... you, seen, have you seen When We uh, Were Kings? I actually haven't, but I love boxing. I um, Every time there's a main fight, I spend the 50 or 60 bucks and watch it. Oh, okay. Have you been following Mitch Leake, Johnny Leake's son? Yeah, I read about him the other day. I've been following him so much. I know his old man used to fancy himself a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right. So you still watch him these days, do you? You still tune in on Sunday when there's a a big main event fight? Yeah, if I can find one, I watch it. And as I said, if Tim Zoo or any of those guys are fighting, I always pay the money to, to watch them. Um, you will have seen this. I've watched it 300 times. The first round of Tommy Hitman Hearns and Marvin Hagler in that epic fight is the most incredible round of boxing ever seen. Have you seen that one, Tony? Yeah, I have. I have. It, it sends a shiver down your spine, doesn't it? It does. It does. Now, Tony, uh done plenty of different things in the industry, and for a long time you were a freeze brand. Uh, I would imagine that's uh, not an easy job. Um, how long were you actually doing that for? Uh, I did it for about 40 years. I've only retired about 18 months ago, um, and now I'm just mucking around with a few horses. I've, it's funny, you've just 
to the inevitable before. He lived at my place for 12 months, the inevitable, <laughs> waiting for him to grow bigger than the Shetland so we could send him over to Tassie. Oh, tell <laughs> us about that because fa- he's such a fascinating horse. What, what did you make of the inevitable? Tell us the story about your association with the inevitable. Hmm. Well, Dave Brunton used to send um, any yearlings they bought over here, they'd send them to my place. I'd keep them there for a couple of months, then send them out the road to get broken in to um, um, Simon O'Donnell's place. Then they'd come back to my place, spend a month or two, and then go over to Tassie. Well, the inevitable, when he got off the float, I rang Dave and I said, how much did you pay for this thing? <laughs> and he said, uh, and he usually pays 20 or 30. He said, uh, 90000 hmm. Gosh, it must be well bred. The size of it is only a midget. And he said, "Yeah, I know." And I found out since the mother was a midget. Oh. <laughs> um, so anyway, we kept him there, and the others slowly got broken in and disappeared. And we had to eventually decide to take the inevitable out the road. So I took him out, and I said to Bronwyn, "Did all the work out there?" I said, "When this gets off the float, don't laugh." And uh, I unloaded him, and she laughed. Um, anyway, a month later. She rang me and said, I know this horse is small, but he gives me a great feel. He's got an enormous stride and he doesn't feel small when you're on him. Yeah. Um, anyway, they finished breaking him in. He came back. We waited another. Dave kept ringing, is he grown? Is he grown? I said, no. And I even sent, and I've got the photo somewhere, I sent a picture of him in the Shetland Pony and said, I reckon he's starting to grow. Um, <laughs> so eventually I just had to bite their lips and send him over and uh, that was the last I saw of him obviously Can you text us yeah. the photo of him in the Shetland Pony? We can. We, we had to use that Well I asked my uh, Robin to, apparently it's up in the cloud whatever that means so I've asked oh, I, to try and <laughs> Nikita will know what that is I got, I've heard it's called an iCloud but I don't know what it is <laughs> No I don't either. Matty I've Sent you, you got to check your emails. I sent yeah, you. no, I, I was saying to the guys, I, I saw that and I've, I've read that email. It's a fascinating email, Tony, that you, you did send, and you've got some interesting views on the industry. And I was going to ask you this morning if you wanted to touch on a few of those points without getting too, uh, you know, volatile about it. But you've got some very interesting points about the plight of picnic trainers. Can we, can we just get those in a moment? We've got to go to Shepherd and Matty. Yep, I don't yep. want to run into the first race here. So, so, the Country Racing Show, you're with Matt Nevitt, Matt Stewart. And Nikita Ross and Tony Carter-Smith is on the line. And, Tony's, I'll throw it back to you. We need to be a little bit careful here because Matthew's sort of given you a few ground rules. But there was an email that you sent to him not long ago. Um, is there a couple of points that you wanted to raise? Yeah, I just, well, there's quite a few, but I'll only bring up the one that really bugs me is why they're making it so hard for hobby trainers and picnic trainers. Uh, well, to get a lot, I've got a, well, I, I like to think of myself as a hobby trainer, but... Um, you cannot, you can't get those licenses anymore. And if you want to get a license, you have to give up. You can't have a career because you have to go and work for someone for twelve months, be an assistant trainer, foreman, whatever. So what they're saying is, you either take it on and have a real crack, or you, you know, you you can't get the nurse or the doctor or the person that works at Bunnings or you know, barrier to train a couple of the hobby. They, they, you just can't get the license anymore. So your argument is that the rigid um, uh, setup that has been introduced now is is whittling away at the at the the population of picnic trainers. Oh well, not just picnic trainers. Hobby. Tra- I mean, half yep. the trainers 
900 trainers or something, I'm making up the figures, but roughly, and half of them would be hobby or picnic trainers, mainly hobby trainers. And the difference between a hobby trainer and a proper trainer, or I shouldn't say proper, but a professional, mm. is they do it for the love of the horse. Maybe they're hoping they'll get the good one to get them out of not having to work. Um, but they mix it in with the job, or they've retired and using their. And they're all putting their own money into the industry, um, subsidising the industry to, to a certain extent. And I, I, I can't understand why they're trying to. Um, sort of cut that out, that part of the industry out. They're making it way too top-heavy. It's a very interesting point that you raised, Tony. I must admit, I'm a little bit naive to this. So, Matty, I, I want to ask you, why would there be a shift away from, from allowing hobby trainers, picnic trainers, to, to get their licence as easily I, as possible? I think, Tony, what the intention of, of that set of parameters might be is to... Um, professional to you know they've had some welfare issues and things like that is so it's to set a a process in place that kind of weeds out certain you know the, the least they can say they've had a professional um process of the education of this trainer but what you're saying and i understand your point is that the smaller trainers who work on the side have a horse out the back who takes to um, Dedarang or something like that all trainers with 10 or 15 of those sort of horses that sustain the vital picnic industry and the, the you know the, the fringe industry as you get further and further out of town, that process is just impossible for those participants uh, to undergo. Um, and I think what you may suggest may be the solution is 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 a different grade of license. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but when you get back to the welfare, I don't know what license you could give that would cut that. I mean without pointing sticks, the spokes out now that, you know, had A-grade licences. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. So any your licensing, it doesn't matter what you do, it's, it's, it's not real what they're doing. They're just someone sitting in a boardroom making up rules just to, you know, there's no common sense in it is what I'm trying to say. So have you communicated this to the industry authorities and at what has been the response, if any, and what would you like... Uh, what's the next step to try and reinforce your your opinion, your your view? Well, just make it a lot easier to get a license. I mean, if you, I've seen so many people in this industry start and have no idea, but they love the horse. Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't bother. Mm. And they soon learn, and, and some of them learn very quickly. I mean, some of them didn't even grow up in the horse world and then became interested, and now are A-grade trainers. You know, you can you can pick on any any of the top, a lot of the like Peter Moody, as an example. Um, he he would struggle now. I know he's a professional, but everyone should have the same opportunity to become a Peter Moody. When he first wandered out of the bush, yeah. the 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 system as it is now would never have given him his opportunity. Is what you're saying? So what if anyone from Race of Victoria is listening? This is in, this deserves a response. So. Uh, we might put it out there to Racing Victoria um, that um, the um, the concerns that Tony Carter-Smith has expressed, uh, can we get some sort of a, a sense of clarity or a response to the, the licensing conditions as they exist now? So we'll we'll try and get that ball rolling, Tone. Yeah, good. And a, and a, and a prized example is Tyson Barton, who is rides at the picnics. He's actually a chippy by trade. 
and he's trying to get his trainer's license just to train a couple and stay a handyman or chippy or whatever. Mm. Um, he's become assistant trainer to me because he's my nephew. So I'm just trying to help him. Um, and without that help, um, uh, he could, he'll never get his license. Mm. Tony, you make good points. Yeah, no, they are. They're, they're very valid points. I find them interesting. A lot of them I agree with. I think it's worth following up, Matt. So I think we will do that. Hey, uh, Tony, before we let you go on a bit more of a, a light-hearted front, Dedarang this weekend. Are you looking forward to making the journey to Dedarang? Um, I don't know whether I'll make it, but <laughs> the horses will certainly be going. Um, there's two in, 11B and um, Vengeance. Um, 11B has probably gone off the boil a bit. I don't. We've tried to freshen him up. Whether that's worked or not, Saturday will tell. Binge uh, ran well the other day, and uh, the jockey Tyson Barton, uh, who sort of more or less trains the horse, but he dropped the whip on the corner. So, and he only got beaten a short half head. So he probably should have won. Uh, and I don't know whether the jockey gave the trainer a rap or not. But anyway, we're hoping. And, Tony, um, we mentioned a little bit earlier as well, it's great to see clubs um, having incentives like Detarang, um trying to make it a little bit easier for the jockeys, obviously, um, you know, incentivising them, a minimum three-ride payment and that kind of thing. They do a great job, these picnic clubs, don't they? Oh, they do a great job. When I was at Mansfield the other day and uh, there was a fridge full of, um, you know, drinks and sandwiches and every winner got a few bags of feed and... Um, you know, that was all volunteer stuff, so no, they do they all do a great job and they're very, very important to the industry. Hey Tony, good on you. I'm glad we had this conversation and as I say, um the industry <clears throat> is entitled to at least respond and clarify and accept uh what you're saying. So thanks for that and good luck at uh Detarang. No worries, thanks. And if you <laughs> if you if you have a similar experience, if you're one of the, a trainer like uh, Tony or someone who wants to be a trainer like Tony, let us know, 0416905052, or give us a bell, 1300652927. Much better to call up and ask us on the radio because you, you're a little bit unreliable on the emails, Matt, as we've found out over the last 20 minutes. I kind of, that email from Tony Carter-Smith came through, in my defence, I, I think I, I read it on Christmas Day, oh, okay. and I was like, oh, gee, I better get back to Tony. So if you're listening, Tony, I wasn't treating you like a scratching. <laughs> you can get him on the spot, though, 1300-652-927. Uh, Nikita, we've gone a little bit over time today, but did anything catch your eye over the last week? Uh, it did. How about Lindsay Smith's domination at Warnable recently? Eight winners oh, from the fine. last 14 races at Warnable. So I know he's based down there, but you've still got to have the horses. You've still got to place them well. And uh, yeah, he's absolutely dominating down there in Warnable, Lindsay Smith. So that's what caught my eye. His record at that track, Matt, is... Can you compare that to another trainer that's had some sort of rare affinity with the track in a short space of time. He's got a better strike rate at Terang. Does he believe? really? Okay. So he's a, yeah. he's the king of Warnable, but he's the god of Terang. Uh, we've got his stats. There's a I think it's racing in sports to, mm. they go right down to the uh, the nitty gritty, and um, I think he's running at every second horse of his at least runs top three. Yep. at Warnable. And um, he's running at about twenty-ish percent for winners. So, and we all knew that the other day going in, and we mm. forgot all about it. And the first one was three dollars thirty, yeah. then two dollars sixty. Felgate had a parlay, but of course he added eighteen <laughs> other legs to it. <laughs> yeah, and didn't yeah, get yeah. It, so he always tries to do too much. Uh, very good. Hey, plenty happening, Nikita, over the next seven days or so. What else is is uh, is coming up? Yeah, there's uh, plenty happening, as you mentioned, Matt. Uh, we've got Yarra Valley. Uh, 
First Pakenham, that's been great, the yep. Thursday night racing. So Pakenham tonight, Kilmore tomorrow, um, Yarra Valley on Saturday, as well as the Dedarang Cup. So that'll, as I mentioned, ticket sales have been uh, unbelievable there, Dedarang. That's going to be a, a super day for the picnics. Mm. So if you're in the vicinity of Dedarang, make sure you get along to the Cup there because that'll be a super day. Which that's... one Which one are you ticking off this weekend? Um, Kilmore tomorrow, actually. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah, good. <laughs> Scene of one of Maldestro's finest wins. <laughs> Any chance uh, to bring it up. Yeah. That, when he won up there, it was the day Warren Huntley tipped the card at, uh, was that at right? Kilmore. And so yeah. he tipped Maldestro. Of course. <laughs> why, do you, why do you ask it like that? Well, because he's 40 to 1 often or even... <laughs> no, he was, he was the favourite oh, that was day. Oh, was he? Okay. Yep, yeah. Yep. Hey, we're getting You're the wind up. You're very we're, dismissive we're, of we're getting the wind up. We're getting the wind up. Uh, Nikita, always a lot of fun. We will catch up with you next Thursday on the Country Racing Show. Sounds good, guys.